I was the one that was out there seeing the response of people in the stores, seeing the trade shows, seeing the response of, you know, uh, the fans or the retailers. And, and I just kept going, oh man, we can do this. Like, I just, I get, we got something here. Yeah, like I know, I just feel it. I feel like we can do this. And he just kept, all right, if you're in, I'm in. And I'm just like, all right, like I'm, I'm in. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Along the Keel, a podcast dedicated to the brands that are being built outside. My name is Captain Zach, and in this week's episode, I get to chat with Corey Higgins, the co-founder of Jetty, an apparel company based out of New Jersey that was started with a cool 200 bucks and a trucker hat and some friends and has now become a lifestyle brand that is known all around the eastern seaboard as well as the west coast. But Jetty is much more than just an apparel brand. They have their own beer brand, Jetty Inc., which is their screen printing side of things, as well as several nonprofit organizations that help a variety of different causes from oyster reef restoration to friends with testicular cancer. You never know what Jetty's going to be cooking up next, so I was really excited to be able to chat with Corey a little bit and learn all about the behind the scenes of Jetty, where it got started, as well as catching up on a few places that we know and love here in Rhode Island. So with that, I hope you guys enjoy this episode of the podcast. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review on Apple, and check us out on Facebook and Instagram where you can find more amazing content. You can also watch this episode on YouTube at the Along the Kill YouTube channel. And don't forget to sign up for our mailing list at alongthekill.com. We have some very cool things coming this spring, so I want you to stay tuned for that. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of Along the Kill, episode number 52, featuring Corey Higgins from Jenny. The, the story that I know is that you and some college buddies, you know, from our last conversation got together and we're like, hey, let's, you know, combine our love of the coastline, fishing, surfing, and then put some money in a hat. And what was it, like 200 bucks, something like that? Yep. Um, well, it was actually high school buddies, uh, not college High school buddies. Yeah. So was, uh, <laughs> yeah, we all went to college, different places, and, uh, you know, all graduated, came back home, and uh, mm-hmm. we're working nine to fives and and then getting together on the weekends and drinking beers. And um, there was like this dive bar. One of our, our partners, our current CEO, he lived across mm-hmm. the street from this little dive pub that we loved going to. And you know, we were broke and, and we would go to his apartment and drink like a 30 pack, you know, um, around his coffee table before we'd go across mm-hmm. the street to get cheap beers. But even like cheap beers were too expensive for us at that point. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, we just talked about it one weekend. We, we took a trip up to Vermont to go snowboarding at uh, Mount Snow and we, you know, talked about you know, the whole, um, car ride up, talked about starting a business together, you know, what industry, what, what, um, what type of company, mm-hmm. um, lift lines in the lodge at the house. We just, the whole weekend, we just talked about it and then came home, you know, we'd get together at his place on weekend, drink of beers. And, um, yeah, eventually I, I went and backpacked like Australia. For, Did you really? Yeah, for a few months, like before I left, we were like, okay, like we, we had kind of a working name with Jetty and we had mm-hmm. the, the working logo and we kind of had all like, you know, loosely agreed on it. And we're like, all right, I'm going to go backpack for three months in Australia. We're, let's eat, let's keep in touch over email. I mean, this was 2003. So like everyone had mm-hmm. like an AOL or an Excite account, you know, <laughs> and a MySpace. Yeah. And we just kept in touch over email while, while I was away and shooting ideas around and, um, 
as soon as I got home, it was like April or May when I got home. And uh, that was kind of like the shitter get off the pot. It was like, all right, like, mm-hmm. are we doing this? Or are we not? And yeah, we each put 200 bucks and literally in a trucker hat in the middle of a coffee table. <laughs> um, and yeah, a thousand bucks. And we made three t-shirt designs and sold them to mm-hmm. um, two local surf shops um, around here. So you guys go from, you know, creating this, this idea, putting your money in a hat, going on, going backpack in Australia, which sounds like an awesome trip, by the way. I mean, having done a lot of backpacking in the United States, why Australia? Why'd you pick that? Uh, cause I was, um, that fall, that was like, I think mm-hmm. February when I went to Australia. So like that October before that, um, I went with, with that, the Farrier surfing sh- uh, sport guy, Brian, mm-hmm. um, me, him, and a couple other people went to Portugal to go surf and Oh, awesome. Um, we met an Australian guy and, uh, like, like he, we just all kind of got along and we all started hanging out and surfing and hanging out together mm-hmm. in Portugal. And, um, we stayed in touch and he offered, um, his family ran a winery in, um, in Melbourne, outside of Melbourne. And was like, just mm-hmm. all, he's like, Hey, my, my parents run this winery. We have an, you know, spare room and car. Come on if out. If you want to come out, <laughs> um, you know, you got a place to stay and we'll put you up. And so, I was like, well, don't offer it if you don't mean it. And he talked to his parents and, and lined it all up. So, um, so yeah, I went and, and you know, worked <laughs> at this winery and, and, uh, just w- washed dishes, bus tables, like whatever I could do to help the family out while we were right surfing on the weekends and partying and, and just traveling and seeing Australia. Um, yeah, it was, it was just awesome. <laughs> Sounds like a badass time for three months. Not bad. So it was like two months, two months in Europe. I I sent them home with my board and my wetsuit and then I backpacked Europe for two months by myself and then got home from that, was home for like Christmas, New Year's and then flew to Australia like first week in February or something and then did three months, February, March, April in Australia. Yeah, it was a good winter. So you've traveled quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Been all over the place, yeah. One of the great things, right? It's traveling and seeing the world. Mm-hmm. What's been one of your favorite places so far? Um, I mean the surf wise, the, the the Indo uh, boat trip, like going to Indo, living on a boat for ten days and surfing the best waves in the world with just you and your friends, and um, you know, no Wi-Fi or cell phone for ten days, and just being it was that that like trip is just next epic. Yeah, it's next level. Um, yeah. I really like um, Nicaragua a lot. I like um, like the, oh, the Pocoyo okay. zone with just the offshore winds because of the uh, lake effect. It's just mm-hmm. just offshore winds like almost all the time, so you don't have to think about if it's going to get choppy, and it's just great. You just got this consistent break. Yeah, there's just great surf there. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's just, everything's great. Love Everywhere. taking road trips <laughs> to Rhode Island and, and Maine. I know. We talked yeah, about Rock that. Island yeah. It's like one of my favorite places. Gosh. Maine, incredible. Yeah. I'll, any, you can go any state in this country that has amazing stuff to go do. It really is. And I always say that, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter what state you live in. There's always going to be cool stuff to do there. You know, yeah. it might not be for, it might not be for me personally. Like going to Illinois, I'm not nothing really there for me to do because I love the shoreline, but you know, anywhere like Idaho has always been. And I, I know I say that a lot on the show is like Idaho is one of those unique places that no one hears about. 
but it's just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. You know, there's like a lot more than just potatoes. Amazing. 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 Yeah. But even like yeah, in states yeah. that you don't expect, um, mm-hmm. Oklahoma or Kentucky or, um, you know, Tennessee, like the amount of hiking and rock climbing and rafting and fly fishing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's just so much cool stuff to do in states that you don't even think about. Right. Yeah. And you know what? It's kind of, you know, Rhode Island, I feel like falls in that category of like the hidden gem that it's, I feel like some people call it a drive through state, you know, to get through from Connecticut to Boston or, you know, up the Eastern corridor up to like New Hampshire and Maine. Mm-hmm. But Rhode Island, you know, like you said, is like one of those states that's just really cool. You know, you got these awesome little spots in Block Island, Point Judith, spearfishing, clamming, like, you know, the whole, the jetty life is like Rhode Island. Oh my God, it really is. I love it up there. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've dove that, that, um, that break wall off from the Point Judith, mm-hmm. uh, ferry. I mean, yep. insane, like just so much fun. Oh, it's awesome. Now we're, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that you were probably on the East wall, like over by the, over by the we lighthouse. Did the, we diving. did the center wall actually. Oh really? Yeah, that, um, some friends, um, actually, the dude who who the artist from that oyster that's behind me, oh, that side, the oyster. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I like and that a lot. The, yeah, uh, I think it's a striper on the bottom. Um, Dylan, he uh, his family has a, a property right there in Point Judith, like this little island peninsula thing, and took a boat mm-hmm. right from there right out to that center wall. And he dives it all the time, so he kind of knew the spot and with the tides and whatnot where to go. And it was super fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I've done quite a bit of spearfishing up in the bay. Um, I can't dive that deep because my ears are messed yeah. up, but like, you know, 15, 20 feet of water is kind of what you need, you know, for any inshore oh. stuff like tog, totally. black sea bass, yeah. stripers. You don't have to go that deep, no, you know? Absolutely not. I'm, I have issues around 35 on my right ear. And so I'm, I'm in that mm. scene, like 20 to 30 is my wheelhouse, like all day long. Mm-hmm. Once I get to that second atmosphere, it's just like, it's, I just, I have a really hard time <laughs> with my right ear. I've had, I've had like yeah. nosebleeds. I had 45 once and came up with just like broken blood vessels. And oh, no shit. <laughs> my mask was like filled up with blood. It was just, I mean. That's pretty gnarly. Yeah, I couldn't hear for like two months, you know, it just, uh, I don't even yeah. mess with it anymore. And I just uh, stay in that 20 to 30 foot range. For sure. Yeah. Know your, know your, know your boundaries, I think is the big important part there. Yep. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely the key to spearfishing. And it was funny, a friend of mine, we went out one day and, uh, you know, when you get, when you I feel like when you get in the zone a little bit, you know, you see a fish and you want to go right after it and you're, you start to make that kind of like that, that tit for tat, that chase. And I just dove a little <laughs> too deep, a little too fast. And I, I blew my entire left eardrum out completely. That's like, yeah, and that's... I came up, my night and i came up yeah it's a nightmare is what it is because it puts you out like you can't go back down you know because you can't equalize and it just hurts like you know the dick it's crazy it throws you off too like when you know Mm -hmm. when that when that ear is just done like it just it's not working it it throws everything off and it's it's not not a fun injury to have Uh uh-uh no i was i was driving the boat home and i was like holy shit like i don't know where i'm going <laughs> you know with all like it felt like i was gonna get seasick mm-hmm. but you know there seems to be this theme that's really embedded in jetty and that is the northeast right having started in new jersey and then it's this culmination of everything that you and your buddies seem to love whether it's fishing clamming 
um, spearfishing, surfing, you know, seems to be a really big component to it, but it's everything coastal, you know, and, and there's not a lot of brands out there that kind of are specific to the Northeast. So why do you think that is like, why do you think you guys were so gravitated to create something that was Northeast specific when really, I mean, when you guys put your money in a hat, you could have done anything, you know? You could have you could have started a, a tackle company or some other apparel brand around skiing because I mean you guys were going skiing that weekend. So, how did you guys come to that decision on, hey, this is what the plan is? Like, what did that what did that initial plan look like? Yeah. Um. Well, at the time there was a uh, 2003. Um. You know, it was it was just. Quicksilver, Billabong, O'Neill, Rip Curl, mm-hmm. uh, Hurley, not like kind of like because I think they started in mm-hmm. 2000 um, and may, they were maybe just starting to get to the East Coast a little bit. Um, and then um, and Volcom it was just starting to trickle into the East Coast. So there was like a real lack of of brands in, in the surf world. And um surf versus snow for us we felt like you needed boots on the ground that's why we never like we never Mm -hmm. twisted snow into like our ethos because it just didn't make sense because we couldn't be the closest mountain was two hour drive and that's to like north jersey you know not even like a great place um so it was like all right if we can't regularly be at the mountains doing like promotional events and being like in the community of snow of ski snowboarders, then it doesn't make sense for it to be part of the brand's, you know, DNA. Um, right. But like surf, skate, waterman, whatever, like that stuff we were all partaking in daily. So, and we were, you know, boots on the ground um, at the, at the coast. Um, so that just made sense as to why that was the kind of the market we chose. Um, right. But we just saw a void in that market because we knew what we liked. And all we saw was those, like they said, those kind of six brands that were all kind of just doing the same thing at the time. Everything kind of looked, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Similar. And <laughs> and it was like, all right, well, there's a void in this market and, and there's, there's room for something new and something East coast. Right. And um, yeah, we didn't really think about the hurdles of, a brand starting from the East coast. And, and it was a whole different set of things that we had to deal with that the California guys never have had to deal with. Um, mm. and, uh, yeah, I don't know. We just kind of went in dumb and, and blind and just did it. I mean, we barely had like a business plan together. It was just, it was a naive start, um, that we have just pieced together over the years and figured out, but, um, yeah, it was, it was not super strategic at the time for sure. Which, which I think, I mean, I think a lot of people start that way, you know, I mean, like nowadays it's very popular to see these and you can, you can tell the brand right away, you know, like you see this brand that pops up out of nowhere, all of a sudden they're, you know, they're like the big wigs, everyone knows them, but you know that they have like a lot of capital investment behind them. They had, they wrote, they raised, you know, $2 million to, to print three t-shirts while you guys just were like, Hey, here's a thousand bucks. Like, Let's try and let's try and do this. You know, like there's two different mindsets there, but yeah. you know, and, and, and that way is that way is fine. It has its time and place, but I think a good brand, you know, definitely starts with that grassroots kind of feel to it. And 
to me, that seems as though that's what Jetty kind of started with. So what were some of the hurdles that you guys had to overcome? Because you mentioned that in terms of East Coast. So I'm really interested because, you know, having this podcast, right, and, and starting it mostly here on the East Coast, it's uh, and, and knowing that there's really not still a, not a lot of East Coast brands, what are some of those hurdles that kind of deters companies from coming in and doing something like Jetty or just creating an East Coast brand in general? Well, I mean, the hurdles are kind of broken down now. It's it, um, mm. the playing field has almost fully been leveled because of social mm. media and the digital age. Um, but at the time, social media didn't exist. The internet was, you know, basically dial up, and and there was there right. wasn't a power computer in everybody's pocket, and um, so California didn't need us. The surf industry was based around the magazines and, and the Southern California surf scene. And that, you know, that sure. was it. Um, and if you weren't from Southern California, you weren't like a surf brand or you weren't, you know, um, important for some reason. And, um, right. so we couldn't get anyone to even give us a look. I mean, I, I, I spent so much time out there, um, just going door to door. I mean, a month at a time, I just, you know, mm -hmm. go door to door, dropping off catalogs, introducing myself, and I would do it every year, year after year. Um, each time a new season came out, I was doing the, I would drive from Maine to the Florida Keys and then do um, a couple of weeks wow. in, in California um, twice a year, summer line, mm -hmm. fall line. And I would just be dropping catalogs, showing the line to anybody who would give me the chance um, and just doing it myself and growing it little by little. But California wanted nothing mm -hmm. to do with us um for the longest time and then once once things just kind of changed you know the the social media just came into the picture and and um mm -hmm. digi ads and this whole new digital age we're living in magazines started kind of going under and uh, right. it just became a non-thing that we were from New Jersey and accounts started. So we still Southern, we're doing great in Northern California. We still have a little bit of a problem in Southern California with that same mindset mm -hmm. um, that they have all these brands in their backyard. Um, so why do they need this Jersey brand? I don't know why. Right. Um, but then the, the people like Hanson's and Encinitas that have adopted us are doing great with it. And we have a great relationship mm -hmm. with them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, so, it's cool you, now. so you guys were kind of, yeah, no, and, it, and it's really cool to kind of see the different brands differentiating themselves in different places of the country and to see how consumers will react to that, you know, and it's going to be different whether you're, you know, there's Florida brands, but a Florida brand isn't going to do as well here in Rhode Island just because, you know, a lot of it has to do with the topography, you know, Rhode Island has rocky shores, you know, so does New Jersey, right? You know, marshes and, you know, seagrass and all these different components well, to it. Reason, versus... the, another reason that, mm -hmm. that the, the, the playing field has weirdly leveled is because of our um, geography and our, um, our, our harsh changing seasons that we have in the Northeast, mm -hmm. that vibe is almost like what a lot of brands are trying to get like they're they're you, know, like <laughs> yeah. you see like the marketing and the imagery um of some brands and they'll be you like you know winter time and it's harsh conditions and there's a, a hurricane and you know all this stuff that we live through every year and right they're using it in their marketing and it's like well that's just 
that's just a Tuesday for us. That's a day in New England. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so I think the authenticism from you know, from living in it and building the brand from here and being inspired by the commercial fishing villages and and the the baymen, mm-hmm. the scalloping, the clamming. Um, yeah. I think it's just authentic. It's just it's just our backyard, and it's just every day. Um, you know, there's right. not a um, there's not a uh, a community like in California where like there aren't bays. Like you don't you can't just like jump in your in your skiff and like go dick around in, in the marsh. And you know, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. Right. So like, but that lifestyle and vibe is so interesting to everyone right now that I think that that's mm-hmm. a, a big part of, of our momentum um, going for sure right now. Yeah, I think that you brought up a really good point there. And, you know, I got to imagine you growing up, that was exact. you were living that lifestyle, right? Like as a kid, you were growing up, you were going clamming, you were going fishing. So you knew, you know, what it meant to really hop in your skiff and go oystering for the day and then drop a few lines and, you know, get some striper and bring it home and eat. And you're right. That seems to be a very popular thing to do nowadays. And it's very that authentic New England, Northeast kind of vibe where, you know, in California, they don't have bays. Like when I, when I lived out in Hawaii, it was such a different component to driving a boat, you know, as a captain, I'm used to, you know, stay away from the shore, right? You don't want to get too close because there's probably rocks under you. And meanwhile, in Hawaii, they're like, Zach, why aren't you driving closer? We're supposed to get near the lava rock. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not getting over there. There's massive waves breaking and <laughs> splashing up. And I'm like, do you not see that? You know, I'm like, and uh, so it's, it was just a different mindset, yeah. you know, and, and there's there's really no bays in Hawaii. There's really no bays in California. I mean, with that being said, that you have like Catalina Island and oh, you yeah. know, Washington, the San Juans, like that exists. There, there's, but yeah, like, there's not, there's plenty of rad stuff out there in a lot, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of different facets. But just that one, totally. that one niche of of the vibe of that harsh Northeast and Bayman Waterman culture mm-hmm. um, is our is our everyday. It's the bread and butter. And what I think is really cool about it is that it really generates a strong community, right? Like. The Northeast, I always say you have to earn your good weather. Like you have to earn those days out on the water, you know, because a lot of the people up here, it's it's working class, right? It's you're going in every day to to your job, whether you're a, a fisherman, an oysterman, someone that's working on an aquaculture farm, or even by the co- coastline. Like there's so many different hands in, you know, coastal communities. And it's historical. Like this is where the United States started was in the United in the Northeast, right? So it's kind of ingrained in everyone's ethos. Yeah. So to have a brand that really reflects that, I think it's easy to be authentic, you know, because that this is the Northeast. Like that's exactly what it means to be. Yeah. Um, in that harsh environment, you know, like it's kind of cool to be able to have to put on your jacket and then go out on the boat and go fishing and kind of feel like a badass. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. To some yeah, extent, yeah. right? Yeah, dealing with the the elements um, while you're reeling in like a, a nice striper or something. Yeah, it's yeah, it's rad. You feel like a badass. Yeah, and you know, to to you know, kind of leaning more towards the surfing community. There's no other community of surfers out there that are putting on a six mil and jumping into the icy, freezing cold waters of the of the Atlantic to go catch some waves and then go to work, you know, 
and that's like the 5 a.m. <laughs> I, I, I self-admittedly am, am not doing that anymore. <laughs> I, You're not doing I that used anymore? <laughs> I used to in my, in you know, 15, 20 years ago, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a hard pass on that right now. I'll, uh, I'll go to Puerto Rico for a weekend and go surf more in three days, you know, yeah. in warm weather than, uh, than I will in a whole year in, in the Get it out of yeah. here. Uh, it's brutal. Uh, those guys, I give them a lot of credit. Yeah, it, my my buddy, he's a nut. He'd go out in like snowstorms, and you know, I'm all for the the fall, you know, fall surfing, and then early spring. But like wintertime, eh, I'm all set. <laughs> I'm not that hard. And wetsuit technology is amazing now, and I really need to mm-hmm. give it another shot because last time, you know, the last couple of times, my wets, you know, just like technology wasn't the same with wetsuits. I'm getting flushed. Mm-hmm. I'm having you know ice cream headaches, and I'm just like, oh, what am I doing? This is survival. This isn't fun. Uh, but yeah. now I, I really should give it another shot. But uh, now it's just like whatever i'm so used to just surfing in warm water or or, or not surfing that uh you know i'll go to the mountains and snowboard right you know i was in colorado for 10 days i'll go to vermont uh the next snowstorm so right yeah, yeah. well and that's kind of the other thing about the northeast that's unique is like you have these seasonal changes in the things that you're doing right you know during the summer it's a lot of surfing. It's a lot of fishing, but during the winter, you kind of shift towards like this hybrid of depending on who you are, you know, snowboarding, skiing, backcountry camping, like, and that's kind of the beauty of, you know, the authenticity of the Northeast. And it seems as though Jetty kind of follows that pattern, you know, through what you guys create, you know, you're wearing a flannel right now, which by the way, is a really cool flannel. And I think that, you know, it's a, yeah, no problem. It's, um, but that kind of follows suit with, the changing of the season, the changing of the times, whereas other companies, that's kind of forced, right? Because you're not, you're, you don't have seasons. Like we know what it's like to have a season. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big influence in our product line for sure. So when you guys like were first, like kind of rewinding a little bit, you guys first put the money in the hat, you create that, those first shirts. Did you go to a company for that? Like what were the, what was kind of the, the bootstrapped, you know, process of creating what is now Jetty? Um, so the first run of shirts we had printed by a local printer here. And um, and he just, there was just no, there was just no imagination to, to what you mm-hmm. could do. It was just, it was like black and white, you know, you got to use this Gildan tea. You got, you know, heavy, whatever. Mm-hmm. You got to use Plastisol ink. You, you, it's either a front, you know, breast print, front center, back center, you know, size tags weren't an option. There was just, it was just limitations every turn. It was like, no, it was just, everything was a no. And we were like, right. well, this is just bullshit. You know, you can print on the hip. You can put a size mm-hmm. tag in. You can use water-based inks. Like you just are being lazy and you don't want to do it. Um, right. So one of our partners, his dad taught the graphics design um, and screen printing class in photography and stuff in high school. And I, I had him. I mean, I printed the first screen print I ever did was in one of my partner's um, dad's class. And he, you know, we learned the art of screen printing and all these different things. And um, so he he had just retired and he was he was looking for something to do in his retirement. So he. Mm-hmm. decided to buy a four color uh, manual press 
and start printing t-shirts for the high school. So he had deals with like whatever, the soccer team, the football team, he was printing shirts for them. Mm-hmm. And that happened the same year we had started Jetty. So after the, the, no, the second year we started Jetty. The first year we got it printed by this other guy and it just didn't work. So then the second year, Bill's dad was like, hey, I'm gonna buy this stuff and start printing. I'll show you guys, I'll teach you guys how to use it. It's in, it's in the garage. You can just use it for anything you want. So he mm-hmm. taught us how to screen print. And we, um, so the second year we started doing it ourselves and uh, we learned about water-based inks and, and all the other options you could do and size tags mm-hmm. and, you know, printing wherever you want on a sleeve, on a hip, you know, and, um, and that was it. I mean, we four color press in a one car garage turned into a six color press in a two car garage. And then someone ratted us out of the, the town. <laughs> and because we were operating a business out of this garage and, and like right. a neighborhood. So after a couple of years, we had to move to our first commercial space. And we got like a 1500 square foot warehouse, six color manual. And then we moved to 3000 square feet, got a second six color manual. And then we were there 3,500 square feet for a few years. And now, and then we moved to mm-hmm. where we currently are with a 10 head automatic, an eight head automatic, a six color manual, and like 14,000 square feet, I think. Holy that, crap. Yeah. And uh, we're bursting at that seams and we're, we're under contract on a, um, on a building and a dirt lot right now. So like a 4,000 square foot building with like a 1,500 square foot storefront, and then mm-hmm. a 25,000 square foot dirt lot that's next to it. Um, that we can build on as like, hopefully like a, I like this, I'd like to say permanent home, but I still don't mm-hmm. think we're going to be able to build something that's going to be big enough, you know, in five years, it'll be, big, it'll be right. big enough for the next three years. But I think the growth rate um, and momentum we have, I think we're going to outgrow that even in a few more years. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's incredible. And, and to see that you guys kind of started from that, you know, in your garage, like so many great brands and companies have started just with, Hey, I got my, my buddies, you know, dad has a screen printer. Let's try and do this thing. And then all of a sudden it starts to grow. And yeah. Grow it's and the grow. classic story. Yeah, for sure. It's the classic story, you know, and I have a good friend of mine, he started a coffee company in his living yeah. room, you know, and you know, in college, what I would do is I'd walk up to his house cause he lived right off of campus and we just roast and pack beans until like 1am in the morning. And then we kept on doing that. And then, you know, I, I was just like his helper. And then all of a sudden I saw him go from a bigger place to a bigger place. Now he's in a 15,000 square foot f- facility, shipping beans all around the world. Like it's a really cool to see that kind of process go down and to have a little bit of part of it in that has been awesome. So as you kind of have been growing, you know, you mentioned you have a lot of momentum now, what has kind of driven that momentum in where do you kind of see um, the, the brand Jetty going? Because, you know, having that five-year vision and saying, hey, you know, I think we're going to be able to grow into and, you know, or either outgrow, you know, this new facility. But you guys have way more going on than just T-shirts. And, you know, it's been really cool to see. But first, like, what, what's been that key driver for the momentum, do you think? Um... The key driver for the momentum is, is just, we've been around for 18 years and, um, the product is just so good. And, uh, <laughs> like 
we're telling a unique story and um, the, 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 our competitor brands are getting, you know, too big, too corporate, too whatever you want to call it. They're, they're making some mm -hmm. missteps. Um, those are all adding up to our momentum. Um, and then the pandemic definitely played into things. We, um, you know, we, we, we launched a rising tide initiative to, to raise money for, um, mm -hmm. you know, our, our retailers that were closed. Um, we ended up donating like $90,000 out. Like you, you wow. could, you know, everybody marketed it for us and you could go to the website, buy the rising tide shirt and then pick the store you wanted to donate your profits to. So, uh, that's yeah. Cool. So any, so literally it was like just giving 10 bucks every time a shirt was bought, it was like 10 bucks to that store. Um, and then we did it for some bars and restaurants too, that were closed, some friends locally. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we ended up donating like over 90 grand. Um, and when you, you know, when you have 300 retailers across the country and you're like, Hey, here's $500 credit, you know, for your rising tides, here's $3,000 credit, you know, to your account for rising tides. Mm -hmm. People were so pumped. I mean, and we were, we were yeah. open and shipping product when a lot of people had their warehouses closed down and weren't shipping. And we just, I don't know, we just made some good moves, you know, when, when our retailers couldn't get product from other people or shipping was taking months or, you know, because they were shorthanded, um, whatever the reason. And um, we just stepped up to the plate and uh, yeah, translated yeah. to an amazing year last year. And then we're just riding that wave. Yeah. Well, it's kind of cool. Like you mentioned, you know, story is a big component to that. And, you know, Jetty is, has a, you know, you guys have a great story, but at the same time, you're really built on, you know, the whole community aspect as well. You know, it's, it's having this community of retailers and having this community of, of people that, you know, really tr truly care about those around them, you know, and you guys have started so many other initiatives that, you know, obviously probably have played into the being able to be really be ingrained in your community, you know, not only New Jersey, but across the entire Eastern seaboard and obviously over in California as well. Um, but you know, things like jetty brewing and, and the jetty rock festival, I mean, the, why is it yeah, you guys the, keep that? That's like, yeah. yeah, that's definitely a big part of it too. We, um, Mm -hmm. Like the nonprofit thing and, and helping others in the community was always just kind of a big part of what we did. Um, mm -hmm. Our first one was, I always forget if it was 2005, 2000, 2005, we, we raised money for Hurricane Katrina and donated mm -hmm. like five grand or something. That was the first thing we did. And then uh, like maybe 2006, um, a, a local buddy had uh, testicular cancer, a kid we went to high school with, and he needed, needed help with his hospital bills. So we, um, we threw a, a miniature golf fundraiser because I, I worked at a mini golf course when I was a kid and I'm still friends with uh -huh. the owner. And um, it was called Putt for a Nut. So it was to help him <laughs> raise money for, for testicular cancer. Uh, Save the nut. Putt for a nut. And we, we, we raised like 30 grand between like an auction, wow. you know, like, you know, the community gave stuff for an auction and we had this party at this bar. So all the auction stuff just went off and then everybody came through and played mini golf that day and, and gave money. And, um, and it was like, whoa, we just helped this dude pay off 30 grand of his hospital bills and he was speechless. And, um, mm -hmm. 
it was like, oh, wow, that felt pretty good. Like getting the community together, helping somebody out who fell down. And so then the next year it was like a bartender buddy who had a brain tumor and needed surgery. And we were like, you know, through a mm-hmm. festival called Brain Games. And it was like Dunk Tank and, you know, all these different carnival games and raised another like 20 grand for him. And it was like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and it just started going like that where every year or so it would just be like someone who needed help and we would just step up and do mm-hmm. it. And then you fast forward to Hurricane Sandy where we had built up so much goodwill in the community up till 2012 when Hurricane Sandy happened that when that happened, literally everyone just like pivoted, looked at us and we're like, what are we doing to help? What's, what's yeah, next? Like, <laughs> what, what are you guys doing? Like, we're here to help. And it was like, oh, okay, yeah. well now like, I guess this is on us like to figure something out. So we, right. we did a, a t-shirt and raised like a half a million dollars. Like it was like stupid. Wow. And, or we donated half a million. We got people back mm-hmm. into their homes, got businesses reopened. Like, you know, we turned into a nonprofit operation for three months, I think. I mean, all we were printing was that Hurricane mm-hmm. Sandy Relief t-shirt and we were gutting sheetrock out of, out of houses. We had teams organized in parking lots. Like, all right, you guys go to this section of houses. We had lists of, you know, we had leaders in each community and that had lists mm-hmm. of the houses that needed to be gutted. It was like wild. And um, that made us form our nonprofit because we quickly realized that we couldn't filter half a million dollars out without like the IRS getting super pissed off. So right. we were like, all right, I guess we got to form a nonprofit to filter that money out to the community. And then from that point on, it's just been, you know, every February we would throw a, um, a fundraiser for locals in need, um, you know, cancer uh, issues that people were dealing with. Um, every mm-hmm. June we'd throw our, our hop sauce uh, craft beer and hot sauce festival um, that just raised general funds for our nonprofit to go out to different things. Um, then August, we have the Coquina Jam, which is f- uh, a women's surf contest for, uh, to raise money for, for um, a local cancer foundation called David's Dream and Believe. Every October, there's a crab cake you know, dinner. It just became like, all yeah. right, like our, what, helping the community and being part of the community is just part of Jetty. That just is what it is, you know? Um, and that's right. been just a huge part of, of our growth and, and community support, especially. It's insane. Um, I think we just surpassed we just surpassed 1.5 million in um, donations. Holy crap! Yeah. That's incredible. Through various stuff, hurricane relief, can, you know, uh, health and wellness, cancer stuff, uh, environmental, the oyster shell recycling program. We get oysters back out into the bay to regenerate natural reef. Uh, we, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. In total, the donations have surpassed 1.5. Wow. That's incredible. And the cool thing about it is, you know, you see a lot of companies out there that'll just, they'll donate, you know, some money and they'll be like, all right, here you go. Like we donated. Yay. Which, yeah, that's great. Like nice. But you guys are literally out there like spraying oyster shells off these barges. You guys are in, in the homes, tearing down drywall and removing insulation and, you know, building houses and, and really doing these community events, but being authentic to, you know, you like you, Corey, you know, like truly caring about these people and the friends and family that have 
kind of help Jetty grow and then giving back. And it's just like this really cool cycle. And, you know, you brought up your oyster shell recycling program and because the environment is such a, you know, important component to Jetty, but to everyone, right. Being on the coastline, it, that's a perfect example of how the cycle continues, right? You guys taking the opportunity to take oyster shells, put them back in, create these reefs and then fuel an ecosystem that we can then go and enjoy. Right. So one of the great things I, I, I think you guys are doing right now is being innovative, not only on the front of your community, but also with the, the fact that you are creating different types of garments and, um, you know, fabrics with, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Oystex. Yeah. Did I say that right? Oystex. All right. Oystex. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's incredible. What, what was kind of the, um, the driver behind that? Like most people are gonna be like, yeah, we print t-shirts We're, we, you know, we, we create stuff. And then you guys are like, no, we're, we're going to change the way apparel is done, you know, at its core. Yeah, I mean, we can't take credit for inventing the the fabric. Um, we aren't at a mm-hmm. scale yet where we can develop something like that. Um, it, it, we just we found we learned that it existed that that uh, this company mm-hmm. um, in Taiwan had had developed a um, a fiber thread that that was recycled plastic bottles and um, and pulverized oyster shell, the calcium carbonate. Um, hmm. So they would. Uh, poly you know, it's plastic it's extruded um and they would you know drop the pulverized oyster shell in there as a powder and it would add like a, a toothiness like a fiberness to the um hmm. to the thread which acted as a really good insulator um and it you know had had other uh, properties that the that the calcium carbonate um adds um, anti-static anti-odor um some really cool things like that and so we had been looking for a way to improve our product line and to incorporate some new fabrics and things that 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 we really mm-hmm. um, loved. And and when we learned about the the um, oyster shell stuff, it just it was a no brainer because we'd been doing the oyster shell recycling program for four years at that point, I guess. And right, it just connected the dots. It was just like, oh well, this is obvious. Like we can now mm-hmm. get this thread, use it. So that, you know, this, this thread exists and then we combine it with all types of other fabrics and type and types of, uh, uh, sewing and knitting processes to create the garments. So, you know, there we're, we're, we're building the product out of it, but it already existed before we, uh, we came on board. Right. Yeah. You know, I can't, we can't take credit for that. No, but you are building the initiative behind it, you know, and, yeah. and being able to market this to like, hey, there's other ways to produce sustainably, pr- um, you know, sustainable products, right? Like yeah. we're giving back to the community and we're not just, it's not just a take, right? It's this balance of, well, the most you know, important part of it is, is the education part of it. And, and, um, mm. like when people, when we talk about the fabric, you're talking, you then talk about just oysters in general. Uh, the recycling program and how important oysters are to our environment. I mean, people don't mm-hmm. realize that, you know, that they're the lung of our waterways and that they literally their job is to filter the waters and 90% of our world's natural oyster reefs are gone. Like because of, right. you know, overpopulation and, um, you know, runoff has killed them or um, over farming. You I mean, if you, if, mm-hmm. if you get an oyster in a restaurant now, it's farmed. I mean, there's not like, Right. People aren't getting, you're not finding natural oyster reefs 
somewhere. Like back, whatever, a hundred years ago, like New York City or or, or the you know, the bays along the Jersey Shore, like you could just go out yeah. and pull oysters up. But that's not a thing. Um, but meanwhile, an oyster can filter up to 50 gallons of water in one day. And they just literally just are cleaning our water the whole time. So the fact yep. that 90% are gone is like, oh, well, obviously that's not okay. Like, what can we do to fix right. that? All right, well, we can collect oyster shell, get it to Mariculture Center, get baby oysters set on it, get it back out to, you know, a research lease that can't be farmed. And we can help this process, um, you know, protect the, the coastlines from erosion, build uh, habitat for sea life, uh, you know, all these positives that come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just like, again, it's just an authentic thing that makes sense to us. Helping people, right. helping the environment. Like, these are just like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> like, why would obviously, why would you right. do this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but it, it it does seem like it should be common sense, but for a lot of people, it's not right, and it's and it's not because it's not that because they don't want to. It's just the lack of education around it, you know. And I think you know having a brand to kind of support and bolster that is super important. It's like you, it's 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 really critical for brands and and people to connect on these issues of sustainability and, you know, friends with cancer and and trying to connect this community together. And I think Jetty does a really nice job of that. And it all kind of comes back to the whole vote with your wallet thing, right? Like voting for, you know, buying shirts from Jetty, you know, something that's Oystex that supports, you know, this sustainable outlook and mindset and this helping mentality versus just taking, you know, I think that's a super important thing to do and people are starting to catch on. I really do. I really think so. And it it shows because you guys are obviously growing like crazy. So it's, um, it's really refreshing to see companies like Jetty going out there and doing it. But then also, you know, now, you know, you guys are sitting around like, you know, rewind a little bit. You guys are sitting around drinking beer with 20, you know, 200 bucks in a hat. And you're like, no shit, we're going to, we're going to start our own beer company. <laughs> Jetty Brewing. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> jeez, I forget what even year it started. It started as just like kind of a marketing thing, um, to make, to raise money for the nonprofit. Actually, it was, uh, mm-hmm. uh we private labeled a beer with a, a company in Jersey, sold it at a couple of restaurants and it like immediately was like the number two seller. And it was just, it was just made as like, um, I think it was like a 50 cent kickback from every pint sold went to the nonprofit. But at the end of the season, we were like the number two beer at this, at these couple of bars. Um, and we were like, Whoa, okay. That's, those are legit numbers. And then uh, right. second year, same thing. Number two behind like Yingling or something. And, um, so then at that point we were like, okay, there's a business here and it makes sense because what are you doing? You know, at the end, if you, you, you hike a bowl to go, to go ride, you have a beer in your bag that mm-hmm. you're cracking at the top. What are you doing at right. the end of like a long session, uh, traveling somewhere or whatever you're cracking a beer? Uh, what are you doing on the boat after, you know, when you're on your way back in to the dock, you're cracking a beer, mm-hmm. you know, like the, having the beer just made sense to the story of the brand. Um, right. So 
we teamed up with a local brewery and we uh, we have a second flavor on the market now and we're going to probably have a third by the end of the year. That's awesome. So is that like really, is is that part of Jetty? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you guys kind of separate things a little bit, but. Um, separate business, right. same partners. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's great. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's not, it's by no means like a, a very lucrative thing. It's just like more of a passion project. It just, we enjoy it. We like having, you know, our couple beers that we can, you know, mm-hmm. bring out on the boat and it's ours and it's, we develop the flavors that we want to have. Um, mm-hmm. and it distribution is just in New Jersey where, um, you know, along the coastline for even the most part, not even like all of New Jersey. So it's right. pretty limited, but it's fun. We got to get fun. that stuff out to Block Island. I mean, I bring some with me, but I, uh, I know I need, we need distribution all over the coast. Cause at this point, you know, the, like the coastline knows the brand, right? Coastal right. communities, surf shops, bars, it's all kind of, you know, intermingled. So mm-hmm. we'd have success at any of these coastal communities that we were able to sell into, um, building the brand first, how we have the marketing vehicle, the beer comes behind it. It's, it's different. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite from what most beer companies do where, you know, they create the beer and then they start selling it and then they have to build the name up. Name's already there. Right. We just need to get the distribution in place, um, you know, for it to make sense. But, uh, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. just a fun kind of side passion project well little, little project i love it i love how you guys have these little things going on and, and you're just constantly thinking of new ways to kind of get the name out and you know it at first i was like oh it's like the jetty ecosystem but then you guys are more like no it's the jetty life like it's the lifestyle of everything jetty which i think so beautifully kind of intertwines and intermingles everything into like this one ethos of like Hey, this is what we're about. We're about the coastline, which is awesome. Yeah. So we have a full our screen printing, this, our screen printing division too, Jetty Inc. I mean, we That's right, we Jetty print, Inc. Yeah. It's it's you know, the Jetty brand, and then underneath that is Jetty Rock Foundation, Jetty Brewing Company, Jetty Inc. Um, and the Inc. division mm-hmm. prints shirts for, you know, Joe the Mechanic down the road for 20 shirts. Um, to what last year I mean, we've done a bunch of jobs for Red Bull and uh, the Baltimore Orioles we printed shirts for. Yeah, really? years ago we printed shirts for Manny Pacquiao for a fight that he was. It was like, <laughs> yeah, we print shirts for anybody that wants them. Um, we specialize in like water-based inks and like high-quality shirts. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So you you know, water-based inks seem to be a kind of a theme. Is that just because sustainable, non-toxic, that that sort of thing? Yeah. Is that the mindset behind it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that yeah. and we really like the hand on it at the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. Plastisols are, are improving a lot and there's some benefits to them as well. Um, mm-hmm. But water-based cleans up with water. It doesn't clean up with chemicals. Uh, and then right. at the end of the day, it's got a really soft hand where you don't even feel it, you know, on the shirt, which mm-hmm. that's the end result is what is really appealing to us for the plastisol inks um yeah but yeah ink i mean there's new inks that are made out of algae um there's all types of crazy stuff out there now (laughs) well it's been kind of cool to hear the story behind like how you guys were you know you kind of came in towards the end of you know or i should say the beginning of this era where you know surf culture and fishing and everything was kind of 
coming together and you you kind of took that vibe and that that community and just built what is now jetty so through that entire process did you guys come across like any big challenges big hurdles that kind of stick in your mind and you know maybe a point where you're like all right we're waving the white flag here like you know jetty's cool but you know we gotta keep moving on or was it always you know this is something that we're really passionate about like no matter what you know through thick and thin we're gonna be making shirts um no i mean there was so like three of the original five partners aren't involved anymore um our mm -hmm. ceo jeremy and myself are the two founders that that are still involved um the three guys left um not for any negative reasons we're all still friends um one of one of the guys came back and now runs our screen printing ink operation um yeah oh, cool. like um one of our really good friends but um the guys left, you know, they, uh, one dude was, you know, uh, had a, a kid on the way, mortgage, wife, you know, it, it, it's just like he had to stop hemorrhaging money, you know, cause it was, we were, we right. were taking turns maxing our credit cards out, you know, at that point <laughs> it was, yeah, all right, dude, it's your turn. Like you got to put up five grand, you know, all right, you know, fuck. Okay. And we, I was just, we were working bartending shifts and making cash yeah. um, and just, putting it into the business uh, for a while. And three of the guys just just left because they just couldn't do it anymore. You know, families, mm -hmm. wives, kids, houses, um, things like that as we got into our, you know, late 20s, early 30s. Um, and then uh, me and Jeremy kept going and we kept looking at each other and, all right, dude, you know, you're gonna match your credit card out again. And, and you know, we were kind of just talking each other off the ledge. Yeah. I was the one that was out there seeing the response of people in the stores, seeing the trade shows, seeing the response of, you know, uh, the fans or the retailers. And, and I just kept going, oh man, we can do this. Like, I just, I get, we got something here. We got something. Yeah. Like I yeah. know, I just feel it. I feel like we can do this. And he just kept, all right, if you're in, I'm in. And I'm just like, all right, like <laughs> I'm, I'm in. And then, um, we brought into, uh, like in board level and kind of investing uh, partners um, to buy out that last guy to buy all the screen printing. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit more information, but the last dude who bailed, he owned all the screen printing equipment. So we needed, uh, we needed mm -hmm. capital that we didn't have because we were bartending on the side and putting everything in the business um, to buy all the equipment from them. So we brought in some um, investors to give us that capital. And then from there, the one investor's son happened to be, freaking insane graphic designer so then he came on board um and he's now our, our chief creative officer uh creative director oh cool yeah and so we have five partners again but it's a different five only two of us are, are the original um but yeah we did dude it was max out your credit cards walk, talk <laughs> each other off the ledge like just convincing that we can we can do this and um right and yeah eventually two this is my second year no I'm going into my third summer that I haven't bartended a shift. So yeah. the first 16 years of Jetty, I was bartending nights to, to pay my personal bills. And then the last two, mm -hmm. I finally stopped bartending. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that, you know, when we, when we had a, a brief phone call earlier in the week is, you know, I kind of asked the question of, well, how long you been, you know, has this been like a full-time thing for you for a while? And you're like, no, this has only been, you know, 
two or three years. And I'm like, really? How long has Jetty been around? 18. And I'm like, holy crap. I mean, it like, was that time. is um, that. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. It was full time. The whole time. But it was then I would go work. overtime. Then I'd go for, you know, four o'clock to two in the morning, three nights a week right. or four nights a week. I mean, I would go up to Hoboken to bartend, go to Atlantic City. I'd go out to Philly. I mean, I was working. I was working. I worked for James Beard chefs to like little mm-hmm. dive bars to big nightclubs. I've done the gamut of, of bar work. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and it's it's it <laughs> but kept us going. It's a testament to the grind, you know, like trying to really just if you if you believe in something, if you believe in yourself and the people around you, then you gotta you gotta put up or shut up because that's what it takes, you know. It takes the long hours and early mornings and late nights. So um well, very a cool. Bit, a little well, bit we're of can... insanity, a little bit of stupidity, <laughs> and just keep going. And sing, single no kids helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I can I can definitely imagine that. So, you know, as as Jetty continues to evolve, you know, and and you guys continue to push forward, where is like where do you kind of see the scope of this going? You know, you guys have your hands in so many different things, but it all kind of revolves around this like coastal lifestyle. But where does it stop? You know, like where do you or, or how do you keep going? How do you keep innovating and keep thinking for that next thing? Um, it's tough. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're designing, we just finished designing and, um, summer 22 and getting all the samples in production. Mm-hmm. Um, and fall 22 is, you know, next up that's gotta be done in the next, um, couple months. Uh, and, and that it's, it's a, it's on creatives plate really at this point. Um, you know, we have a really good creative team and, uh, you know, it's only a few guys, but, uh, mm-hmm. we're actually hiring right now as well for a women's specific designer. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to forecast and, and, and look at that magic eight ball and predict what's going to happen in certain, in terms of trend and product. Um, we're just really focused on what we like and what we want and, you know, and, and, Mm-hmm. Um, I give a lot of input into that because I'm out there in the stores and, and at the shows and talking to a lot of people and, um, where we expand into categories, um, is a lot of input that I throw out there. Um, but brand product wise, we're just going to keep on staying the course and moving forward, introducing, um, a couple new things here and there, keep expanding on that Oystex, uh, fabrics a lot. We have, mm-hmm. um, for fall, we have sweaters coming out with that, um, jacket coming out with that, um, some really cool stuff. I mean, still have flannels and, and, and some beanies with it and stuff, but we're expanding the Oystex selection. Um, and then brand, we, we have some key hires to make right now. And, and we're really, uh, we have a three year and a five year plan, um, that involves that, that property, developing a building, all those types of steps. Um, the growth rate is, is definitely pretty, pretty heavy, but attainable. And uh, mm-hmm. we just keep staying the course. We just got our heads down. Our heads are in the trenches. Um, it's, you know, I, I manage uh, a dozen reps around the country, but I handle New Jersey, Maryland, and Delaware myself with a, an in-house mm-hmm. um, guy. Um, you know, so my head's in the trenches with those guys. So when I'm talking to them as a sales manager, I'm talking to them as one of them, you know? 
right. hey, this is a this is a, a change we're making. This is something we're doing. Here's a, a sales asset for you. But I'm building it from my side because I want it to use it for my account. Yeah. Um, so it, we don't do a great job with stepping outside the business, which we need to do a better job of that and really having a concise vision for the steps. Um, mm -hmm. But we get caught up in that day to day that we are so entrenched in um, and just making the right decisions day after day to keep steering the ship in the right direction. That's pretty much just right. what we do while knowing that we need yeah. to be looking at a, a 30,000 you know, foot view. Sure, sure. But it's like that balance, right? Like you, you have all these ideas and everything that you need to get done. But at the same time, it's like, all right, well, let's print a shirt. You know, like, let's do this. Let's go take it by step by step, molecule by molecule, like the little steps equal the big one. So, but, um, you know, Corey, it's been a real pleasure being able to chat with you today and learn all about Jetty and the story behind it and how you guys are so integral into the community, you know, on, along the coastline, especially here on the East Coast. So I uh, just want to thank you. And uh, yeah, well, well, before that, actually, it was fun. Where can, um, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But where can people find out more about Jetty? Um, at the Jetty Life um, mm -hmm. would be the uh, the Facebook and Instagram, um, JettyLife.com, the website. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are the two main sources for sure, social media and, and the, the interwebs. Um, interwebs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, cool. I'm Corey underscore Higgins, uh, Instagram. I've, not, I've never been on Facebook, but... And C-O-R-Y, there's no E in, in Corey for me. That's where you can keep up to date on all the things we're doing. Awesome. Well, thank you, Corey. Yeah, appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, pleasure, man. That was fun. Yeah. Thank you guys for sticking around towards the end here of this episode of Along the Keel. I had a great time being able to talk with Corey and learn all about Jetty and what he's got going on and the team and you know the whole process and the growth and everything it's just it's so exciting to see a company like this who started from a trucker hat and then into a garage and then a bigger place and a little bit bigger and now they're you know bursting at the seams and ready to grow and build their own place so it's really exciting to see one of the big takeaways that I had from this episode was the amount of time it took right? These guys have been in it for the long game. This wasn't something that they started overnight. This was something that has been going on for 18 years, 18 years, right? So to think that you're going to start something and it's just going to happen overnight and you can just slap a name on a t-shirt and think that you're going to make millions of dollars is very, very far fetched. I'm sure that's happened before, but you know, when you want to create a brand that's built to last and a brand that actually has an impact on the community, it's going to take some time. I don't know if you guys caught this, but Corey actually worked throughout this entire process. And it wasn't until two or three years ago that he went full time with Jetty. So that's a testament to staying true to who you are, being a part of the community, but being patient, right? So if there's one thing I can take away from this episode was patience. And I hope you guys took something away from it as well. Make sure to check us out on Apple, Spotify. Make sure to also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Those are super important. All you got to do is scroll on down, tap that five stars. Write something nice if you choose to do so, but if not, no worries. Just be sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and sign up for our mailing list. We got a lot of great things coming for the spring of 2021 leading into the summer, and I want you guys to be aware. I want you guys to stay in touch, and uh, as always, make sure to work hard, do good, be incredible, and we'll catch you on the next episode.